Hello and welcome to this week's edition of The Time and Place, the gospel conversation show where we discuss faith on the fringes and do our best to apply God's word to God's world. I'm Solomon and this is Julian. Nope. And today we're going to talk about the satanic panic. Mm. But first, Julian, what the heck is going on in the world today? The supply chain has completely broken down to the point where empty shipping containers are just being left to lie wherever they are. Uh, there's there's no truck drivers to drive them back to warehouses. The freight companies that own the ships are starting to charge the truck companies for storage. So they don't want to hold on to them anymore. So the truck companies are just like, well, just leave them. Just, they're not ours. Don't worry about it. Leave it there. Shipping containers. Empty shipping containers. Like the huge metal. Where are they leaving them? Just wherever, I guess. At the docks, at the wherever they're pulling in, they're just leaving them. Jeez, at least they're empty, I guess. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, I mean, for the people who leave them there, for everybody else, it's probably you show up hopeful with a crowbar and there's nothing inside. <laughs> That's kind of like uh, the U-Hauls uh, and stuff going to and from California and stuff. Like the, uh, they're they're what is it? They're more expensive coming to go than to come to go to California. Yeah, because they're probably not. Uh, or to go to Texas because they're probably not coming back. No right, you can't back. find a U-Haul. In they don't want to do. It. They don't want to ship them. They don't want to ship the trucks back empty. And so, like, if you're U-Haul in California, someone's moving from California to Texas, it's, I think, more expensive that way because yes. no one's going to be moving from Texas right. to California because all the U-Hauls are ending up. Because <laughs> so they're going to be losing that U-Haul. <laughs> and so the the, the <clears throat> yeah the U-Haul trips from moving from California or like New York somewhere to Texas or other Florida somewhere are more expensive because they know they're not going to get that truck back because <laughs> they don't, they don't ship, they don't get them back uh, empty. And so they know it's not coming back at all. Right. It's getting <laughs> crazy, man. There there's uh trucking. The, the real problem, apparently what I heard too, is that they're, since the companies aren't working, they were trying to hire people as independent contractors. They're like, Hey, just drive this stuff. We'll pay you to do it. But the laws in California make it almost impossible to be an independent contractor. So if someone's driving for you, you have to give them benefits, medical, dental, all that stuff. So it's oh. just like hiring new people. You can't basically oh, yeah. have yeah. – Yeah, so that's like the gig economy kind of thing or like the Uber, uh, right? Like right. they're not letting them just kind of make it a side gig. they got to have like benefits. Right, right. You gotta, it's got to be the A lot whole of people thing. are like, I don't care about that right now. You know, That was kind of the situation because I didn't have health insurance for like – 10 years uh and maybe no it was about 10 about 10 years or so maybe eight or nine years maybe and then that that was that when the obama obamacare came out and it's like they're gonna have like uh finding you or whatever if like you didn't have health We're insurance. not having it yeah and i was like well i don't want health insurance right now i'm okay <laughs> like like don't find me don't find me bro giving you a health tax yeah so anyway so, I don't know, man. It's getting crazy. They're talking about no turkeys for Thanksgiving. No one's getting their Christmas toys. You know, I was thinking about that. They're talking about supply chain. But if you can talk about and expect a, a, a supply shortage, can't stores like H-E-B and Walmart stuff order more, you know? like Right, but they can't like, get it. I, no one's bringing it. That's the problem. Right now, though, they can. Right? For and, certain in, things. In, in anticipation. So, like, like toilet paper or something. Uh because like with COVID and stuff, it was unexpected. That's why the shelves were empty because there was just like a run. There was no like this fall there's going to be a shortage. I think if, if you're able to say this fall, this winter, there's going to be a shortage, 
Like I'm saying that you're saying that I'm right. sure Mr. HEB knows more than we do <laughs> about making those orders of like, Oh crap, I'm watching the news, watching the wind shift. There's right, going to be right. shortage. Let's order more now and get them here now before right. then. You know what I mean? So like if you well, can, I mean, if you can expect and anticipate a, a shortage, especially by like Christmas or like by the new year or something, can't you make those orders now and just like you would store think, up? but the problem is the stuff that's already supposed to be here for then is caught up off the coast of California. So like shipping freighters are just out there full of stuff and they can't get it to where it needs to go. Hmm. Well, that's Buttigieg's fault, right? Like, well, he's on leave still. He's on paternity leave. <laughs> yeah, he didn't tell anybody after he pushed okay. that baby out. He had to <laughs> chill out for a while. Yeah, him and his, his his husband like needs some time to recover from someone filling out all that paperwork. <laughs> someone posted like... a picture of both of them sitting in a hospital bed, and they were like, "Why are you guys in a hospital bed? Neither of you had the baby." <laughs> <laughs> that's funny almost done all right tips total mexican mom move done almost done in october <laughs> prepared started ready. in july already <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know man it's gonna be nuts we'll see what happens yeah um i don't know i, I always put off spending like that till last minute anyway just because like because like my christmas is now if we brought, if you buy like in August, like my wife wants to, then <laughs> by November you still see something you want to buy the kids or something. And it's like, in it, it's not you're not gonna not buy it. So it's like, well, then just wait. You know what I mean? Or or what's worse with like you know four and three year old, they're not gonna be interested in this thing right by the time yes. Christmas comes around. Or they're gonna be onto something else. But you already bought that present back in July, you know, and you're locked in on that. And yeah, so it's just kind of a. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, we'll see. I think we'll it's going to be Christmas will come no matter what. Yes. Yes. Christmas will come. And that's the thing. It's going to the materialism is going to be affected. The holiday itself is not. So it's really going to be like, well, what's your focus at Christmas time? Is it just getting stuff? Because if yeah. so, you're going to have a, a rough time. Well, yeah. I mean, that's the <laughs> meaning of Christmas, isn't it? To get stuff. The true toys meaning. and presents. It's the true meaning of Christmas. <laughs> that's Hello. what I learned from every holiday yes. special turbo man yes he needed well, the turbo no, man it, it's only after you realize that it that that the presents are not the point that you get the presents you know what i mean <laughs> has there ever been a has there ever been like a movie where like it like oh well you know at least we have you know like in the grinch at the end they lose everything right, right? and they're like well we just have our family and then you know and then they get all the presents back you know what right. i mean and so it's like, okay, you kind of have, you still get the presents though. Right. You get and your like, cake and eat it too. <laughs> yeah, Instead of the Grinch is throwing them off the cliff anyway. Like, oh, well, they didn't Yeah. Imagine if they all fell off the cliff. Like, <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Wait a that minute. That sucks. It's we almost like you're for nothing. Yeah. The thing you, you, you realize you didn't need is your reward for realizing you didn't need it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. Is that how it goes? <laughs> well, that's, that's every, uh, every like, Medea movie also. <laughs> I don't know how familiar you are with the Medea franchise. They're still making those? Oh, dude. That's a cottage industry. That's never going away. <laughs> Tyler Perry owns an island, bro. Oh, man. Yeah, that's a moneymaker. Walmart <sighs> is held afloat by Medea and Discount Electronics. I remember, I remember my African-American literature professor 
didn't like him. Or <laughs> I she, was going to say, can you tell this story as a white man? I know. I know. Be careful. She she was like, he, she was like, he needs to figure out why he likes dressing up so much or something. <laughs> <laughs> like he was like, wants to be trans or the something. The Boondocks did a whole episode about that. It's pretty funny. <laughs> oh, really? About yeah, him? about him being a, a crossdresser. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's hilarious. And I can't recommend it on a Christian podcast, but it's really funny. <laughs> when when will a black man, a big black man in a dressed up as a as a fat black old lady <laughs> not be funny? That's true. That's a whole genre. That's never not it? funny. Big Mama's House, any yeah. idea movie. Yeah. That's Eddie never... Murphy broke the mold. Murphy... Oh no, he was a woman in the movie too. What because he's the whole yeah, family. The mom, yeah. He's that's the... right. I mean, that's never oh, not man. funny, right? Just saying. Comedy gold. I think <laughs> we'll start writing our movie after this. <laughs> Medea goes to camp. I mean, that's how those are. Like, that's like an earnest movie. The earnest like, <laughs> Medea saves Medea Christmas. Saves Christmas. <laughs> Dude, have you seen the Halloween one? That speaking of Halloween, no, the I'm earnest sure, Halloween movie. I'm sure. No, I haven't. No. Dude, I saw it as a, as a kid. It's pretty scary. There's like a. It's like a real troll. There's like a. It's like a real like supernatural part of it. Whatever. And there's like a troll on the loose. It was actually like kind of scary. I mean, how the kid it was. But. We'll have yeah. to put that into the rotation this year. It's called Ernest Scared Stupid. <laughs> he made another guy. He made a whole career off of that character. You know, I saw a thing about that. He started playing Ernest for local commercials in his area for like a hardware store. Oh, really? That's how it started. And then somebody found it. They were like, this guy's kind of funny. We should put him in something national. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then it turned into a franchise. Up. Yeah. yeah. Blew he, up. he reminds me of Mike Rowe, the Dirty Josh guy. <laughs> I, I could see that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god anyway so well, speaking, speaking of, Halloween, of consumerism yeah. and pop culture yeah <laughs> we have a returning guest i think the most returned guest going on like four or five episodes now yeah vacation bible school to help us talk about satanic panic what's up man <laughs> hello doing well thank you so much for having me it's great to be back thanks for joining us so you're on your fourth halloween album now is that correct that is correct yes uh trends somehow that I, I i've managed to keep up um <laughs> yeah satanic the satanic panic Four possession uh was just recently released this month oh man <laughs> franchise continues yeah <laughs> much like medea yeah like, satanic <laughs> panic in the earnest movie Medea versus Ernest. um it's gonna be <laughs> um, <laughs> gonna be released next year <laughs> medea's exorcism is gonna be it's gotta, have a, it's gotta have a Kirk Cameron cameo in it though, right? Like, <laughs> it comes in at the very end of yes, yes. everybody. I want to see the uh, I want to see the Crisis on Infinite Earths version of Left Behind, where Kirk Cameron and Nicolas Cage are both <laughs> in the same <laughs> the crossover. Oh, that'd be amazing! I want to see like a, a live action version of Bible Man. With like Nick Cage as like as a Bible grizzled, man. like Bible man, you know, like coming back out of like uh, what is it, the <laughs> like, Dark like Knight? Big Daddy right? Yeah, when, uh, yeah, when you like the Dark Knight or yeah, then, like Kurt Cameron could be <laughs> like his greedy. Robin, like the the, the the like the sidekick, his sidekick character. <laughs> it would be like that scene in Kick Ass where he's Big Daddy, he's killing all the mob guys, but like with scripture. Yeah, sure. I haven't seen that movie. <laughs> oh, but it's I, a great I like movie. <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. I love that. That's funny. Yeah, Anyways, <laughs> I never, you know, I never watched Bible Man. I was kind of out of the game by then. 
I, I didn't was, either, but I've gone back and, and watched it. Lots of them are available on YouTube. And then I have, I, I you know, did watch it when I was a kid. Shows. I did watch Bible Man when it was out as a kid. And I was super into comics and superheroes and stuff anyway. And I knew this was bullcrap. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I knew I was like, because the, the, one of the bad guys is like a Joker ripoff. <laughs> and and I was the like, fibbler. the fibbler. Oh my yeah. <laughs> and I think I saw that. I was like, this is just this is just a cop. This is stupid. This like I know Batman. Like you're yeah, not getting that is this. Certainly not getting this homeschool kid. Yeah. I read Batman. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen I've seen the Batman anime series. All right, you know. Dude, that so. was always weird for me because my parents were super strict, but my dad was a comic nut, so he let me read whatever. So, like, you know, you can't listen to this music, but here's Arkham Asylum by Grant Morrison. You can read that. <laughs> that warped my head. I didn't know how to react. Yeah. 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 Maybe we should talk about, like, our, our own histories of, like, because we're all, like, you know, 90s kids pretty much. So, like, what what was our, you know, uh, personal history with this, like, Christian culture, especially particularly, like, with like fear of the devil and stuff. Mm. Uh, Cause it was always like, like secular music. You right. Know? Uh, we were, we, we listened to Christian rock. Like we were, we were allowed to listen. We're, we, I don't go, I don't go that far back, you know, where that was <laughs> not allowed. Uh, but it was only Christian, only DC talk and newsboys and audio adrenaline. And in those um, Petra was like a, like a Christian hair band. Uh, or something <laughs> and that, so we're allowed to listen to those but um not you know anything else wasn't allowed to listen to yeah we were pretty much anything. in the same boat it was christian music it wasn't even like an option there wasn't even a question like you don't even ask you just assumed christian music only always yeah uh, so my my experience was actually different in the music department because um i was not really allowed to listen to uh, like hard rock whenever I was a kid um, or, or things like that. My, my brother was, he was older than me, but like, I wasn't, I mean, I, didn't, I wasn't allowed to listen to metal, but that was more of like an age kind of thing. And also mm -hmm. I, I just, my parents didn't really like it. So I think that was maybe also <laughs> like, <laughs> they, they just didn't want to have too much of it. This is just loud. They didn't really care for it. Yeah. It's just got too loud. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, once I got older, I was, I was allowed to listen to, to it. Um, but my mom, especially, is super into music and grew up in a family that's like really, really into music and everything. So they, she listened to all sorts of um, kind of secular music. So by that I was allowed to, uh, she was like, I mean, most of the stuff I grew up with through her was a lot of like James Taylor and um, oh, okay. Frank Sinatra and Nat King Cole. Um, so like a lot of seventies music and then a lot of like, uh, uh, crooners from the from the fitness yeah. <laughs> um so, so uh, but because of that I, I wasn't allowed to listen to secular music but um but also we did listen to lots of christian music like i think my mom was a big fan of the early michael w smith oh yeah um type stuff the mullet era michael w smith oh the best <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah um we, we yeah we were super did y'all do halloween at all no as kids i did no. you did uh though we didn't really do anything like too spooky or or like horror related so um my my family was not really into anything horror related 
though Halloween, like, you know, pumpkins and, and things like that. Were right, okay. right, right, right. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I we, we didn't do Halloween. We never trick-or-treated. I don't ever remember, like, trick-or-treating as a kid. But I, didn't, I don't remember missing it too much either. Yeah. And maybe it's because we homeschooled and all our other church homeschool friends didn't <laughs> trick or treat either. We had like church things. We always had like a party at the church and it was like, <clears throat> and some people would dress up who like didn't know, you know, like right, some, right. New, some new people, mm. but it was like, oh, okay, well they don't know. It's okay. But there was no, there was no like judgment though of like, oh, for shame. It was just like, oh, okay. You know, we don't do that here. You know? oh, even that was, and, was questionable for us. It was like, there's people in costumes. We we're out of here. Well, it's like this Bible is, characters. This if is too close. If you're Moses or something, then, you know, for Halloween, then that's okay. Mine, uh, <laughs> I, I understand mine a little more. So my dad in his younger years and like his late teens, early 20s was a little, uh, he got a little occulty for a while. Like oh, he, he, he dabbled in the dark arts. Oh, man. So he was, yeah. So he was like super, once he converted, he was super off everything. Mm. So it was, yeah. It's a little strange in that because on the one hand, it was like, I understand sort of. But on the other hand, it's like, well, that's a bit far. I don't think this is involved in the same way. I, I kind of had that with my granddad. Uh, he, the, my granddad, and my granddad was super conservative. And um, they might be listening to this, actually. <laughs> they, they listen. Uh, and we love them. I know. They're great people. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> but like super Southern Baptist, traditional, you know, old, old school kind of thing. And then I found out that he was like a greaser. And like, oh, nice. Read Mad Magazine and like, you Dude, know, that's those, awesome. Those like eyeball things and like, yeah, what's yeah. that? That rat, that the rat fink. Rat fink. Yeah, yeah. Those like all hot rod things and yeah, stuff. Yeah. And he would draw and he like Mad Magazine and all those like kind of gnarly, well, you know, stuff from like the 60s and stuff that uh, was kind of weird. And so I was like, okay, maybe he was kind of in that. And I was like, ah, that's, you know, which I would kind of, a lot of that stuff too is kind of, you know, a little violent and little crazy and stuff so when, yeah when he became a christian like a lot of that changed and then so it was weird like when you yeah like your dad like kind of find out about these kinda yeah nefarious past you know <laughs> <laughs> everything makes more sense at that point but i kind of got bummed because when he gave up everything he gave up like prince also and all his funk music from the 70s ah, which i ended yeah. up liking later and i was like we could have bonded on this you, you let me hang it <laughs> yeah that's funny <clears throat> Yeah, so, and anything paranormal and like witches and stuff was like oh, not yeah. allowed. Anything, yeah, that, same here. Like Harry Potter, y'all, like y'all, y'all allowed to read. Nope, I wasn't allowed so to do Harry Potter. We, I wasn't at first, but my pretty conservative Christian cousins and aunt and uncle, they, they were kind of like a, a, a gauge or like kind of a barometer for us because they were really straight laced. They were pretty straight laced as far as like kind of strict and, and stuff, but they, they listened to a lot of secular music and read Harry Potter and hmm. did kind of a lot of stuff. And so my mom was like, well, okay, well, if they're reading it, then I guess it's okay. You know? And so were you I got like feeding them stuff to get into like, hey, <laughs> so can, if you get it, I can get it. Well, there was this weird, <laughs> well, it was this weird thing too, because I remember because that was like around the time Lord of the Rings movie came out. And that's when I first heard about Lord of the Rings. I didn't know anything about Lord of the Rings or, or The Hobbit or anything until the movies came out. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, this what is this? It looks just really cool. And like all the men in my church were like, they're making a Lord of the Rings movie. It's going to be awesome. That's so cool. <laughs> Do they and have then pocket protectors also? Well, yeah. Well, and then it's like, okay, it's like wizards <laughs> and stuff. And I'm like, hey, I thought this was like bad, you know, because these same people right. are against Harry Potter. Right, against, right. Yes. You know, a lot of other things. 
and but they but Lion the Witch and Lion the Witch in the wardrobe and Lord <laughs> of the Rings were okay. You know, I didn't understand that. I was like, why is this okay? But Harry Potter's not, or like, you know, whatever. It's like, oh, because this has like a Christian theme. Yeah, well, so that witch dies. What, well, guess what? So does Harry Potter. <laughs> kind of, you know, eventually had a kind of Messiah story going on there too. And so uh yeah, it's just kind of was, was weird. It's because Tolkien those were Christians. I mean, pretty much. Right. So that's that's why it was okay. And so you know, it was kind of in that context. But it was still magic. It was still witches. Right. Yeah. Just as much as any of these other kind of mainstream magic and witches that were too. So yeah, that was that's kind of weird. But that's what I read. I wonder if there's like a. I wonder if there's a degree of realism involved. Uh, well, I guess maybe this wouldn't work for Chronicles of Narnia, but that's written yeah, by right. C.S. Lewis, so he gets a pass for whatever. <clears throat> but, uh, but like with with Lord of the Rings, it's very much just in a fantasy world in you know a made up make believe land, completely disconnected from like our world. Whereas in Harry Potter, it's like it is our world and they are witches. And I wonder, at least in some of the circles that I grew up around, and like they didn't want children reading harry potter because they didn't want them to like be enticed to mm. start getting into like the occult and wizardry wizardry and everything and i think there's like a degree of maybe like oh it's too similar to our world or something like that i, I don't know i mean things like dungeons and know. dragons weren't allowed either in Pokemon, yeah that's those true aren't, like those aren't in our world at all and that's They're completely like... disconnected yeah. <laughs> right yeah there was magic the gathering too. magic the gathering was a was a band on at my house <laughs> really i didn't even oh, know yeah. about that until i started working at the comic book store <laughs> no my dad and my uncles were still big nerds they were still like occasionally go to the comic book store so i was aware of the the stuff in the periphery but yeah that was yeah. A, that was a pokemon big was not allowed pokemon yeah poke was. pokemon was and then it got taken away so that stung even more because I, I had it oh first. no you had it <laughs> yeah <laughs> it i wasn't was allowed to do up. pokemon either yeah, I it was I, the way it was explained was like, well, they're summoning, they're like casting, like summoning a, right, a monster right. to fight for them, and that's what people would do with demons and like to summon a pagan <laughs> god to fight for them or something. I was like, what? There's like pocket monster. That sounds awesome. Monster. Yeah. No, I hate it. I didn't like Pokemon anyway. Yeah. I was, I, was, I didn't get into it. Like, I, was oh, I played the friends. Game Boy games. So I was super into it. A lot of my friends had it, like the cards and stuff, and I was like, this is kind of dumb, guys. Like, I don't really care about this. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> that's how I was with uh, that's how I was with Yu Gi Oh. We, we didn't we didn't have cable, so I never had the WB, so I never watched it. Never watched show. it. No, you, so, never, you didn't feel the bond with Pikachu and Ash, so you didn't have guess, it in your soul. Know. I, you know, I, that... I tried way too hard in high school to like anime, and it <laughs> didn't take. You know, that's I have that problem with Harry Potter now because now that I'm like aware of it, I, I I don't appreciate the rules that they set up. Like, how is wizardry genetic? That bothers me. That it's not magic. Yeah. It's a power. You're a mutant. You're not a, a wizard. Yeah. It's X Men. <laughs> yeah. It, it it gets kind of kind of fast and loose with those rules, uh, for sure. Yeah. It's not great. Yeah. I'm admittedly like I I'm you know I can go watch Harry Potter now and I've seen I think most of the movies and it just kind of all right. Like, <laughs> they kind of run together. Like, I don't know which one I'm yeah. watching. It's kind of yeah, like the yeah. Mission Impossible movies. Like, oh, I'll, I'll explain one of them. I'm like, oh, I like that one, and I like this one, where, <laughs> where this thing happened. And someone's like, those are the same movie. I'm like, oh. So I've only I haven't seen. seen one. <laughs> I've right, only right. ever seen one Mission Impossible, and I I was never lost the whole time. It was like four or five, and I could still follow. Like, yeah, I get it. There's no no need to explain. Nothing to fill in. They tend to run together. <laughs> There's a mission. Yeah, it's yeah. impossible. <laughs> he does it anyway. Like, I'm with you. right. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> so we're kind of like the second wave hangover from the satanic panic because our parents grew up in the middle of it when it was like hot when it was the hot yeah. issue the late 1900s yeah. the late oh man <laughs> the mid to late 1900s 80s and 90s yeah <clears throat> so I, I looked into this a little bit because there was a podcast which is really cool if you got the time i recommend it it's called uh, conviction on spotify mm-hmm. And this particular season was called American Panic, and it was about the crime wave aspect of the Satanic Panic, or the supposed crime oh. wave. So <clears throat> that's where I kind of started with it, and it really grabbed me because one of the cases that was pretty big was here in town, it's in San Antonio. That's where the one of the big cases was. So for me, it was like that's right here. I could I they when they're playing clips from the news, it's like the news anchors I remember growing up. Oh, interesting. <clears throat> so yeah, that was super cool. But well, not for the guy because you know he went to jail. But <laughs> for me, it was cool. He was doing back in the in in the future. But uh, it all kicked off because of this book that I could not find a copy of because even a, a paperback is like one hundred and eight dollars on Amazon if you can find it's one. It's out of print. It, it's out of print. Yeah, yeah, for obvious reasons. But it was called Michelle Remembers, and it was um, a memoir, kind of, from this girl named uh, or this woman uh, named Michelle Smith that she claims to be the true story of her childhood raised by a coven of Satanists and the ritual abuse that she suffered. So it's co-authored by a man named Lawrence Pazder, who was her, her psychiatrist. And uh, she got these memories through hypnotism and recovered memories. So these were things that happened to her that were so graphic that she blocked them out and had no recollection of them until these therapy sessions is the story that went along with it. Yeah. Um, it's crazy as you would expect for, for she, she talks about human sacrifices, um, bloodletting her being cut with knives so that she can bleed out and they can drink her blood and all this. And you would think to yourself like, well, you must have massive scars in your body from these knife wounds that they gave you. Well, no, because in the book, she tells you that the Archangel Michael came to her and healed her wounds. That's why she didn't have any. That's why there's no signs of any of this abuse. <laughs> but nevertheless, it was a sensation. And in the first week, it sold 100,000 copies. And that book became kind of the template, right? For any, yeah. for all other kind of what became ritual abuse. Yes. Well, cases. it became the template. And he's Hazard a psychiatrist. Became the, yes, he yeah. became the expert. He was the guy yeah. you talked to about ritual abuse. And it, the reason that it took off is kind of twofold. Uh, one, because in the culture, we're coming off the 60s and 70s where like the world is falling apart. And everybody's like, what's wrong? Something, what, what went wrong in America? Well, it's Satan, obviously. But the other thing is that the um, newly burgeoning field of uh, child psychology was really taking a, a, a look at child abuse as a serious subject. And the more they studied it and the more they got into it, they realized that there was generational issues where people who were abusing had been abused. And they kind of realized, like, this is something that's been going on forever and we just never – noticed it or never talked about it they never so, talked about it. they never they, doctors stopped turning a blind eye yes is really exactly what it was. that's to, what it to was a child to, to a, a, you know little johnny's arm is right out of sock like oh fell down it's like no everyone knows right that it was parental child abuse or something and they just stopped you know they started reporting it basically. they stopped ignoring it yeah basically. so this very real situation uh, kind of opened them up to this very imaginary situation. <laughs> and they just kind of bought it into it. Everybody, law enforcement, other psychologists, uh, the media, they went on a media tour. They were on talk shows telling her story. Um, 
interestingly enough, while this was going on, journalists were looking into it. They were like, well, we got to get details on this. This is amazing. Uh, they couldn't find any evidence of any of it, including finding her family who were like, we don't know what she's talking about. That never happened. We never lived here. We were never over here. None of this ever happened. They also found out that through the course of writing the book and their treatment, Pazner and Smith left their spouses and became a couple also. So this is clearly an unscrupulous doctor, <laughs> but the damage had been done. It was too late. And the America was caught up in the satanic panic. Yeah. It, it, something I've heard too, like I listened to it, I did some research and, and uh, they alluded to it, but I, it, it made a, it, it made a lot of sense. Just what, as kind of what I thought of uh, as far as kind of some, uh, origins for this problem and the origins for the fear and hysteria hysteria um primarily it was this new like uh child protective services situations coming on in like child psychology and not you know like actually finally reporting child abuse and everything right. that was like happening through the 70s and that's kind of when this like stranger danger you know kind yes. of thing came on and like we kind of realized kidnappings and and so and all those things but also after the 60s and 70s, this is, so this is like 80s and 90s. So this would have been after a lot of the 60s and 70s. And a big part of it is, I, I believe, like this is something that, that, that kind of came up in the research, but they didn't go into it as much as I want to right now, mm. um, <laughs> which is women, uh, newly liberated women going into the workforce and putting their kids in daycare. Whereas mm. primarily before that, like through the 50s and 60s, uh, especially young, very young kids were raised by mom. They were, right. you know, with mom all day. And so there was no, like, I wonder where my kids are. I wonder what's right, happening right. to my kids. I don't know who's I'm, I'm sending them off to strangers all day, every day to be, you know, cared for. And so I think that was, that was happening through the seventies and then into the eighties, these kids, are, these women are getting older, getting married, having kids. And then, uh, sending them off, whereas their parents and parents before didn't do this. They didn't send their mm. kids off to daycare like that, especially that young. And so I think it was that plus all this new reporting of child abuse happening, kind of colliding at kind of at the same time. Mm. And because you think about the fear in like some of the accusations of primarily daycares, and there's a few, few cases yes, that are really yeah. terrible, um, of just completely crazy outlandish accusations being being said of like drinking children's blood and just like all like being put into closets with snakes and scorpions and just weird abuse things um and like why was that believed why were the hysteria why was there no evidence mm. why didn't they just like, why did they just believe the word of a four-year-old or something uh that was coaxed out of them by some psych child psychologist or something um and it, i think it was this kind of new fear that uh, primarily mothers had all day of who what's my what's happening to my kid you know mm. and like and then it's like i don't know what, what's going on with my kid i you know this is something new in this generation of kind of sending them off so young and then you hear all these abuse cases and then someone at your daycare your kid's daycare gets hurt and it's like what's going on oh god this it's true this is happening whatever and you hear yeah the, the michelle remembers this is, a, this is a psychologist saying this this is something right. that exists this ritual abuse what the heck's going on and then you hear your daycare is a coven of you know freaking satan worshipers or something <laughs> and it's like oh my god it's all you know and it just becomes this like fever pitch of just all these kind of colliding things of culture changing accusations fear and just you know all kinds of stuff like that and so this is the sensationalism of the journalism too, of all that, you know, right. kind of 
seeing that. And so I think that had a lot to do with it, though, was the liberation of women and, and them sending in their young, young children off to daycare was kind of a new thing through the 70s and 80s. And mm. so that, I think, was a big <clears throat> part of it, of kind of the fear of the parents, at least. But it's hmm. a theory. I mean, that's interesting. Yeah, because it's true. There was a huge thing in California was the daycare accusations that entire networks built around daycares were involved in child trafficking and human sacrifice, none of which happened, but the accusation was enough. It kind of yeah. gave me uh, Salem witch trial vibes, Yeah. right? Because like the same kind of situation happened. It was an accusation uh, at somebody that was outlandish, but like, I mean, less so, I guess, at that time. Uh, they just took it and then it was a panic. It was like, there's witches everywhere. Well, with the kids primarily, it was interesting too. Something I saw, like in the research, was this is a, a very old thing. It kind of goes, it go, it kind of goes back to like the blood libel of the Jews, of like they're going to take your children and drink their blood mm. and stuff. So I was like, whoa! So it's always this fear of the innocent, the children. They're coming for your children, and then even further back than that, the Romans and pagans against the Christians taking communion they're drinking uh, blood they're a bunch yeah. of pig they're a bunch of cannibals right and you know so it was like first it was the christians then it was like the jews and then it was it's, it's kind of it's like this is not new yes it's salem witch trials this kind of mass hysteria around specifically uh weird spiritual demonic satanic you know cannibalistic bloody kind of weird stuff accusations at certain groups in order to other them mm. in order to like put them as like a weird you know different people than us like the bad you know devil's coming for your kids basically <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah but, so that was like the satanic panic as far as like satanic cults performing ritual abuse on children and people and it pretty much didn't happen I, there were there were some legitimate cases only after the <laughs> Fake news, right? Kind of like how, uh, how the mafia life became imitates like art. the Godfather yeah. after the Godfather. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. The cliche becomes the, <laughs> right. you know, yeah. real thing. So, And a lot of those cases, like of the actual killings or something, it's normally like one some person with, yeah, like one guy who has severe, you know, clearly has mental problems um, and, you know, goes off and kill someone in the name of satan or something mm. and it's just like a one-off type of guy which i'm sure happens all the time uh, or not all the time but you know like i'm sure that was that was a yeah. thing before you know the satanic panic and and stuff but yeah it, it was never linked to kind of this I, I, watching you know some of the documentaries and everything from that time that people are making or like the news segments this idea of it's like a highly organized underground um you know collection of these satan worshipers at the top levels of society who uh you know are, are performing all these different you know rituals and we just can never catch them but they're right, everywhere right. and you know like they're all everywhere that kind of stuff. It, yeah it's just it's not true you know like it, it's uh yeah it's absolutely crazy i was actually just before we got on i was watching um this see i was uh, gonna ask about that because i know classic. you have the vhs's i didn't know if you had one about this like the signs to look for yes uh so th that that this is what i just told it is uh probably the one of the most famous and still one of the most beloved uh pagan invasion <laughs> volume one halloween trick-or-treat uh this is a huge uh favorite within like the vhs collecting community 
um everyone like if you get your hands on it everyone loves it there's people like non-christians and everything as well that this is like a yearly watching <laughs> ritual for them because um nobody believes it but at the same time it has like so much it makes people like halloween so it has the exact opposite uh, uh like impact because it has just these great shots of like you know, they're, they're inside the store and they're like panning over all the different masks. And so it's like a real screenshot of Halloween in the like late 80s or early 90s. Mm. And uh, yeah, it came out in 1991. So uh, it, and it has like they're talking about all these different horror movies and they just like and it really makes people love Halloween. <laughs> uh, but uh <laughs> Yeah, but you know, I, I was just watching it, it just a few minutes ago before I came on here, and yeah, they're talking about like these highly organized satanic cults, and you know, they have these investigators, and they're like going on scene, and they're like, you can see here that it's you know we have upside down crosses, and uh, we even found a, a diaper of a newborn child, which you know what that <laughs> means. There's eating babies and sacrifice, you know, and it's it's like so obviously fake of like yeah. they made they took a cross and just like put an upside down <laughs> cross like randomly and it's like they don't show a diaper or anything like that and you just have some random guy telling you like yeah there's evidence of babies being killed here there's bones everywhere <laughs> it's like <laughs> did, you, did you see the did you see the like Geraldo and uh oprah episodes of like these satanic panic and stuff like they had all right because this was not just limited to to christian kind of no this was like like salem like the witch trials didn't start in church it started in the community and then it just spread from there yeah 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 it's yeah you can watch like the um yeah oprah was talking about it 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 was it's weird it was like uh, you know not it was like across any sort of secular church split it was across any sort of like political split as well you had people like that were more liberal or more conservative both of them like new york times ran in uh, a thing about dungeons and dragons and like its potential danger (laughs) and stuff like that so so it's it's not limited to just one group of people which is i think what makes it so fascinating uh geraldo (laughs) so he's got like he has like a priest and then he has like Ozzy Osbourne on there. <laughs> and I'm in already. It's funny. It's, it's funny oh, to yeah. see Ozzy's, Ozzy's just like confused of like, what? Do you think this is real? Like, he's like, I didn't mean to front in people with me music. <laughs> he's just like, like kind of confused. Like, I don't know what, what's going on. Like, will y'all take this seriously? Like, what? Yeah, like he has a lot of other problems. Satanism is not one of them. Alcoholism, maybe. But. <laughs> You know, the planet he's on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny, the, the the Salem witch trials, because that's something I'm very interested in. And I like that, like, like studying the Puritans in, in that time and stuff. And I think that gets uh, kind of a bad rap as far as like, oh, see, you know, but you Christian freaks, um, you just lie about anybody and stuff. But it's actually not true. Like, the, it wasn't actually like the Puritans and, and the real Bible-believing people doing that. It was a cultural timely kind of community thing it wasn't in the church it wasn't the pastors and, and the um people doing it everybody believed in witches back then everybody right. believed in the paranormal and were christians back then so if, if a group of people do, does something it is going to be a group of christian people doing something so in these false accusations but when uh outside more higher up pr- pa- uh, pastors like increase mather he has a quote he's actually legit puritan and he has a quote talking about 
the Salem witch trials. And he says, uh, it were better than that 10 suspected witches should escape than that one innocent person should be condemned. Because the Puritans and, and truly Bible-believing Christians back then took the evidence of two or three witnesses extremely seriously. And that's where we even get it in our legal systems today of, of the testimony and evidence to convict someone, not on an accusation alone. And that, that is a Christian biblical thing. That does not come from uh, any other sort of traditions or religions or anything. That is a uniquely Christian uh, th a way to uh, prove guilt, you know, innocent to proving guilty. That's a Christian uh, principle. Uh, and so first, he's quoting from um, Deuteronomy 13, 12, 15. He's not quoting from, but he's alluding to um I'll just read it, Deuteronomy 13, 12 through 15. If you hear in one of your cities, which the Lord your God is giving you to dwell there, that certain worthless fellows have gone out among you and have drawn away the inhabitants of their city, saying, let us go and serve other gods, which you have not known, then you shall inquire and make search and ask diligently. And behold, if it be true and certain that such an abomination has been done among you, you shall surely put the inhabitants out of the city of the sword, devoting it to destruction." But it's not, it's not just if they say it, just do it. It makes search and ask diligently, right? And then in 2 Corinthians 13, 1, Paul says, This is the third time I'm coming to you. Every charge must be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. And that's not eyewitnesses. It doesn't have to be eyewitnesses, especially in this day and age. That can be videotape. That can be DNA right. evidence. That can be any of those sort of like two, two or three lines of evidence. So it really is. These things need to be proven with proof and evidence and we do not just go on the accusation of she's a witch or they're <laughs> a satanic whatever you can't just say something and get some pop psychology bullcrap to say <laughs> you repress memories or whatever none of that is biblical none of that is scientific none of that is true or, or proven or anything to go off of an, an accusation of someone's guilt at all <laughs> so and that's one of the things that really stuck out too in when i was doing the research on it is that <laughs> the accusations of people who suffered from mental illness were taken super seriously. And it led yeah. to, there was a, a, one of the, one of the big cases, there was a couple named the Neffins in California. They spent 12 years in prison, husband and wife, 12 years in prison. Uh, the first accusation came from a friend's mother who they had never met before, who suffered from paranoid schizophrenia. And she was convinced that her grandchildren were being abused. So she just accused random friends of her children of, of being the ones who did it. And they ended up spending over a decade in jail based on nothing. That's crazy. Just that one, one crazy. person. Yeah. And it, the, the, it's really heartbreaking too. Cause they, they, on the podcast, they play some of the tapes from when the cops were interviewing the children, but really trying to get the answers they wanted from them. And you can, the yeah. kids don't know what's going on. And there's a part, there's a part too, where, uh, you know, they, they ask him a, a, a leading question and the kid is like, no, that never happened. And the cop says to him, are you sure? Because your brother said that it did happen. And the host is like, that that didn't happen. They hadn't interviewed his brother yet. So they were lying to them to get the answer that they wanted, um, you know, for the, the in, conclusion. In they some, already in, came some to. Those, in some of those videos, especially in the in the Keller case, there's another case of daycare in California. The Kellers got sentenced to prison for accused of this. Uh, where you see the you can see the videotapes of the the psychologist with the kids and they've got the little dolls like where did they mm -hmm. touch you know and then they're they're feeding answers right they're like and then and then what did Dan do 
you know, and then they're like, I don't know. And then it's like, did he do this? And it's yes. like, you're just, you t- and then and, and children want to just like, like, okay, yeah. Like they want to be know. told they're doing a good job. Yeah, exactly. And, and they're kind of like redirected when they don't get the answer they want. And then they're like praised and kind of affirmed when they're right. giving kind of the answers. Yeah. Yeah. He did do that. Did, you know, and it's really like twisted and messed up to see like that is super crazy. This is the Oak Hill in uh, Austin, Texas in 1991. Fran and Dan Keller uh, had a daycare and they were accused of repeatedly and sadistically abusing several children. And they were convicted of multiple charges and sentenced to 48 years in prison. And they were freed in 2013 based on newly revealed information, about, like new evidence and stuff as it came out of like, hey, yeah, this. And some of the doctors, and this was weird too, because like some of the scientific like forensic evidence of of uh, the kids and especially the little girls of like being abused, a, a lot of that um, just science in, in med- like the medical science, especially of like uh, rape trauma to women or especially to young girls, wasn't known. And so you had these doctors mm. examining young girls and saying, oh yeah, I think they have been abused. And then only to find out through more research and as the science grew, no, that's just how it kind of looks sometimes. And so like, oh, so this wasn't, there was no abuse. There was no trauma. There was no physical, you know, alter, you know, things happening there. And, and the doctors came out later in this case saying we were wrong. The science just wasn't great back then. And so we, we did these examinations of the young girls and we were wrong. We were just wrong about what, what it looked like when we saw it's crazy, dude. And they, they say, yeah, they they're, they got out of prison tw- in 2013. But, I mean, that was like 25 years of in prison for this. And <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, that's so sad. And it's crazy, like, what, what you were talking about with working, uh, like, the kind of the lack of evidence that's happening. And yet there's something that just making an accusation people just lock into. And it feels so true. And yet there's no evidence for it, like direct evidence. And that's something that's really fascinating about this whole movement. Um, And I I read a a really interesting article. This is actually a couple of years ago, but um, about how the satanic panic was kind of able to lock into a fear that was brewing within the culture at the time. Um, And it was kind of due to uh, this feeling that people were... um, kind of experiencing a, a, a loss of agency or felt themselves as losing agency, particularly when it comes to like parents, what, you know, so kind of what you were talking about with, um, you know, the, uh, the daycare was becoming an issue. So like your kind of agency over, you know, being able to raise your child is diminished because now they're being raised by people who are outside of the home that you have less control over. Uh, but there's also uh, one interesting thing that this article made was the development of new technologies. Um, so we saw like uh, an acceleration of the production and proliferation of commercial media in like the form of VHS tapes and the form of cassettes. So now it's super easy to like mass produce these things and they're cheap yeah. to buy. Uh, and this allowed for like easy access to material that was more explicit than what yeah. like ca- even cable television would allow so now your child can maybe like bring home something like the exorcist on vhs and you know these other movies in their unedited form 
um, and you can more easily in like these things could enter your household now. So there was like this kind of feeling of being invaded by these images mm. and so forth. Um, whereas and typically those things in, in like the previous years were just relegated to movie theaters or like the occasional mm. cable spot or something yeah. like that. But now it was like invading your home. And yeah. uh, you see this like in a lot of the documentaries, there's like even uh, here, this is a VHS tape that I have um, right here uh, on, sorry, trying to get it, uh, <laughs> Hollywood. Um, and it's a, uh, <laughs> look at that depressed kid. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Um, oh, he's got the split, the hair. The... Yeah, oh, yeah, it's great. Split. But this is a uh, this is a documentary on um, like a bunch of uh, like uh, how to you know keep your kids away from watching um, you know bad stuff. like Beavis and Butthead is on the on the slip cover there of like you know one of the main things that you need to keep your kids away from. But like you see like these documentaries coming out. There's another famous one. I I, I don't actually own it on VHS. You can watch it on YouTube about. Uh, like the devil's toys and so um like about uh like how ninja turtles and oh. like he-man and everything those are all satanic uh oh, was so, it that guy but, that weird guy who's like going through the different videos like well you see here they say they call it the force and that's what like there was a guy like kind of explained oh yeah going through he-man they were yeah. talking into the little like uh yeah, yes, yes, thing. That guy. yeah 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 um so yeah you see like documentaries like that pop up there and there's like a couple of them too um but that's also you know during this time it toys are easier cheaper to make they become more mm. like massive available like the the budding market for that type of of you know toy be is expanding growing um and if i'm correct uh oh yes uh so in all these things like you get a seismic shift in how much commercial media is like taking over people's lives. Yeah. Uh, you have more and more strangers raising your kids. And if you combine that with the satanic panic, you get like this feeling that of like satanic media is invading your life, coupled with children being raised by demonic abusers. And it's all of this <laughs> kind of like fear over this like lack of agency. Um, and I think that some of that ended up creating perhaps uh not to sound too like theoretical in a psychological sense but like an unconscious kind of you know like yeah there are satanists everywhere like you know the exorcist yeah. was really scary and like you know those images are just kind of like informing the background of one's mind and so whenever you hear these accusations of like people are abusing children you know in the name of satan and everything it's like yeah that's real yeah yeah, Care Bears. My mom just commented, Care Bears were magical. The witchcraft. Yeah. I remember yeah. seeing it. Yeah, I remember that. And then, man, it was everywhere, dude. Yeah, like X-Men, like Storm. She controls the weather. And, like, that's, you mm. know, a witchcraft. Like, anything super-powered <laughs> and everything was, like, so, so like supernatural, paranormal was that way. I remember it was even with Power Rangers because the, the main the main – bad guy lady was a witch or she would make these monsters that fight the power rangers and then but that was like a witch she was anything was witchcraft and like you know it was yeah anything i remember that guy that was that was on those documentaries talking about the smurfs and how mm. they're mm -hmm. they're blue and they have they're, they're blue with black lips and that means they're dead because they're they turn blue and there you go and, <laughs> And so then they're corpses or something. I can't find and a one. Right. And then there was like an act, there was like a wizard or something in that show too. So that was bad. And then, um, 
yeah, Care Bears were magical. And then um, uh, Strawberry Shortcake, the little girl's <laughs> children, she had, a, she had a star or something. And I was like, that's a pentagram. It's a pentagram on her. On her, on her <laughs> it just became anything. Yeah, Castle Grayskull. And they like in the documentary, they're – Remember the Castle Grayskull had you could had a microphone and it would yeah, like alter yeah, your yeah. voice like yeah. Grayskull and so it's like oh it's altering your voice and that's demonic <laughs> and stuff. When was the first time? Did y'all have y'all seen The Exorcist? I've never seen The Exorcist still I to have. this day. Mm-hmm. When was the first time you saw The Exorcist? Uh, in college, so just a couple of years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it when I was sixteen. My my uh, and it scared the crap out of me. It oh my gosh, dude. It, we, uh, my stepdad got it. Write him out. My mom's gonna remember this too because <laughs> she, he, he. How do we rented it? Or I guess we rented it or something. And he was like, "Yeah, let's watch it. It's Halloween time. Yeah, it's funny. Let's watch it." I think he was like remembering a different movie. I think he was oh, like, "Nice." I I don't think he remembered how like messed up it was. <laughs> and I watched it. I think I watched it by myself because I think he didn't even watch it or something. And I like was late and I just like, oh, yeah, I've heard about this movie. Watch it. Oh, my gosh, dude. At 16, I was like freaked out that I mean, it scared the crap out. I was like, this is really weird. And my mom was so mad when he rented it. She was like, you're bringing that into our house. It was that like it's entering. Yeah. It's coming that, in. A lot of the, the phrases that you hear so you're it's you're you're opening the the door the portals yes, or like yes yeah the you're door, yeah the you're door. opening portals to say you're, you're opening our house yourself. yeah yeah man and i remember yeah that was that was a big one and yeah it did scare the crap out of me and <laughs> nothing <laughs> nothing else paranormal happened but um but so uh, so we, we could have so we talk about all these things and it's like okay well we're christians and that means something uh <laughs> it means we believe the bible and right. uh the Bible talks about demons and possession and Satan and the devil and these these sort of freaky, weird, paranormal things. So is there absolutely nothing to this fear of a, a demonic or satanic attack or anything? Or how would we put that in context of that's maybe more biblical and less cultural and hysterical and more actual mm-hmm. like grounded in Christian Christianity. <laughs> I have a twofold opinion on that. Think, thinking about this today, I think there's two kind of avenues to to go with. One, uh, when when I really remember like satanic panic stuff, it was after Columbine. That was when I remember it kind of kicking up again, and it was always with music, right? It was like, oh, they were listening yeah. to Marilyn Manson. And no, like I, yeah, I, they listened to Lincoln Park. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that we're hearing that and I was like, oh, I've heard Linkin Park. Like, oh no. And then and they and they also they played Doom. Yeah, the they played Doom. The old, yes. the old computer game, the first like first person. Everyone shooter. played Doom at that time. Yeah, I played Doom. I played you know, Doom at a friend's house. Parents and they were watching it. the news. They didn't play Doom. That's they showed it all. They showed yeah. it on the news as like this video game made them shoot up a school. Yes. And I I seen, I was like, oh my god, I'll play that game. And like <laughs> I'm gonna shoot. I don't want to shoot up a school. <laughs> so, what the angle I was looking at with that is that there's this this need to uh, put the blame on something, right? Mm-hmm. Like, how could this happen? How could these kids do this? And it, it kind of reminded me of like the the people who are super into like the uh, 
Book of Enoch and all of that kind of stuff where it's like, oh, the Watchers came down and they taught us how to mm. do magic and they taught us how to make war. <laughs> it's not our fault. They put this on us. Yeah. So I, I think there's this this fear from Christians that like their their children are going to be seduced by the devil into sinning and that he's the reason that they would do this. Like my, my child is innocent, my whatever. And my, my immediate thought was in James chapter one, he talks about how uh, how temptation comes. And the, the first thing is don't let anybody say you're tempted by God because he doesn't tempt. But the second part is temptation comes from the lusts of your own heart. Right. He doesn't put it off onto some otherworldly thing and say, well, the devil tempted them. And that's why they did this thing. It was like, no, you have this internal proclivity to sin. It comes from your own heart and it builds up until you act. So I think that's yeah. the one we have this desire to just put it off on. It wasn't it was the music. It was yeah. the movies. It was the games. That's what happened. No, it's it's you. You're broken on the inside. That's why it happened. Yeah. It's the whole thing. Yeah. Just, things that corrupt and not come from without will come from right. within. Yes, right, exactly, right. It's not what goes yeah. into your mouth, but what comes out of it. That's yes, right. exactly. Um, go ahead. And, I, I do. Th I mean, like, I do think certainly things can, you know, within culture or society, can be influential to a certain yes degree. Yeah, but I would agree. Not to the sense of like fully determining, uh, you know, killing people or something. You know, that that, <laughs> that takes a whole nother. Uh, but and but also, I, I like the point that you're making of like you'll hear in christian circles like uh narcissists and abusers who profess christianity will often try to use like satan or demons as um as like a scapegoat to deny their own responsibility yes so like you know it, you hear this a lot with like narcissists because uh, narcissistic m like men will almost always end up cheating on their wives Mm. Um, and they'll get caught eventually and they'll be like, well, tch, you know, Satan got me. And, uh, you know, <laughs> and it'll be like, it'll, it's like, no, like you chose to right. commit adultery on your wife, but then they'll always try to deflect and be like, no, 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 that was Satan. Or they'll be like, uh, they'll try to, uh, this is a hot, you're the million dollar phrase that everyone, you know, lots of people are using this, this term right now of like gaslighting. Mm. Um, but it, like abusers or, or narcissists or something will actually like <laughs> use Satan to kind of like gaslight people. Cause if, if, uh, someone will bring up like, Hey, you're like this behavior that you have is like really toxic or it's like mm. really, um, you know, the way that you're treating people is not okay. Uh, and the, well, Satan's just putting those ideas in your mind, you know, the, that's the <laughs> devil always trying to turn, you know, it's trying to turn you against me and, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I, I do think like you see that a lot and I think it's important to be, uh, skeptical, skeptical of that. <laughs> the other, the other thing I was thinking about is just the idea of demons in general and demonic activity. I, I, you know, I'm by no means an expert on this and I still, there's, there's gaps in my understanding of it because reading through the Bible, you really don't get demons until the New Testament, right? Like you don't have possessions in the Old Testament. You don't have that kind of stuff going on. And then you do. And then in the epistles, you kind of don't again, right? Like it, it, Paul's not giving people instructions on how to perform an exorcism or something. So it's like this weird period of time where Jesus is on earth and demons are, are around. So uh, from a post-millennial perspective and, and you know, going through Revelation and stuff, there's this idea that the demonic activity had to do with the changing of the ages uh, mm -hmm. is kind of something that I've come to. So I don't know if we should still be talking about demons in the same way, especially as Christian people. If we believe that the resurrection changed things, if we believe that the kingdom of 
the world of the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ, then this idea of just like this heavy demonic activity shouldn't be something that we still hold on to because the world has changed. Everything has changed. The spiritual world has changed. The physical world has changed. Everything's different. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how you, how you feel about Cause that's, that's one gap that I think Christians don't have a, a lot of understanding on is just demons in general. Yeah. Um, and the Bible doesn't give you a ton to, to kind of go on. It's just like, this was happening. Here you yeah. go. So, yeah, it makes me think of like, so when, when I think of like, um, there was a, a documentary I saw, and I wonder if you have this actually, of like, it's called Hell's Bells. There's a VHS called Hell's, Hell's Bells. Bells. It was oh, like that's a, a classic one. It was like a multi-part uh, thing, and it was like circulating through the church and stuff of these videos. It was all about rock music. It's like yes. ACDC and like oh, that older. One. I don't yeah. have it, but uh, yeah. Called Hell's Bells, and it was like '80s hair metal music and stuff, and it was just going through all the demonic imagery of like you know Alice Cooper and all the Black Sabbath and Easter Alice and Cooper, who's a super reformed Calvinist, by the way. Say <laughs> <laughs> Christian, uh, yeah. So it was kind of going through those things and the, all the backwards masking and like all this weird stuff. Oh, you know? back masking, love it. So I okay, Second uh, Corinthians eleven fourteen through fourteen and fifteen. Uh, says, and no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. So I think true, like, demonic powers and, like, sin and agents of the enemy and activities of the enemy don't look like agents of the enemy. They don't mm. look demonic. I think right. what it, is, it comes as an angel of light, like you, you think it is. And so... I think Mormonism is more demonic than anything we've talked about tonight hmm. as far as an angel coming to Joseph Smith. It, it, that's a demon. Like, that is a false gospel being shared with Joseph Smith. I believe he saw a demon. I believe he saw an angel and that came to him. And that angel was a demon. And it came to him as an angel of light and shared a false gospel, which created this insane religion of mormonism which is a false gospel and anti-christian so it is that it, you're gonna say mormonism i would say mormonism is more demonic than mm. acdc or ozzy <laughs> or any of these things you know because it looks like this presentable thing i would say joel osteen right. and yes. like these prosperity gospel kind of tbn crazy stuff is more demonic and more satanic than uh you know any anything we saw like on on these things and stuff of like because those those things are not it's not so obvious right he's not right, gonna come right. out and say i'm the devil follow me <laughs> you know what i mean it's like okay you know it's gonna be deception it's gonna be lies it's like this is right this is good isn't it how did he come to adam and eve right he didn't come. He's like, did did he? Did God say he came with these like little nuances and stuff? Just like criminals always argue semantics, you know. Right. <laughs> and that's how it is. He came with with that, you know. And even when he tempted tempted Jesus in the desert, he quoted scripture, right? right. And you know, and so it's like, okay, I think that is what looks more demonic than outright pitchforks and scales and all this like <laughs> nonsense. We've kind the of the things you would avoid. Right. You know, we kind of created that through this, these images of like Satan and demons and hell, like all these kinds of things. Like it doesn't, I don't think it looks like that. It looks more like the gossiping housewife. You know what I mean? It looks like the, the porn addicted guy. It, like it, it, it is those kind of things are more demonic and evil and satanic 
it, you know, but so we got to get this Im image of like goblets of blood, you know, kind of out of our head, you know, cause that's, that's a red herring. I think that's kind of a distraction of like, Hey, and it's, it's almost like it, it is satanic in that of like, Hey, Hey, look at this. Don't mind what I'm doing over here in your little mm. country club. You right, know, right, don't right. mind what I'm doing in your cultural Christian church who worships the Republican party. Don't, don't mm. mind that, you know, you know, but, but yeah, yeah. ACDC, that's bad. Yeah. Go, go after them, <laughs> you know? And it's like, meanwhile, he's slipping in as an angel of light, you know? And I think that's, We've been hoodwinked, I think, as Christians for a long time with this the, kind of stuff. I was watching this uh, uh, documentary about the the romantics, and they were talking about Lord Byron and how at the same time that he was going up to a chateau for a, a group sex adventures, he had written a letter to a newspaper talking about how the waltz being done in public was indecent and it was going to be the downfall of society because men and women were touching in public. <laughs> and how it was this was the end of everything meanwhile he's you know in private this is going on but in public please keep up appearances mm -hmm. oh <laughs> that's that's crazy <laughs> I, I would say yeah. <laughs> uh, i uh in, in terms of like my own theology of, of demons i admittedly don't have one right right now. <laughs> um it's it's uh it, like it i i just I, it's not something that I spend a lot of time studying. It's also hard to find any decent resources on right. that topic. Um, I, I mean, because I, I'm sure you're the, uh, the Bible, <laughs> but, <laughs> but as you, but as I you say, say like, a lot of the, a lot of the, you know, the biblical material somewhat limited right. i mean like to just you know a, a few you know gospels and like the book of acts and then not too much else and, and yeah. so um but and then like people who kind of talk about the people who are really into talking to demons are often not the kind of people that you should listen to about the topic <laughs> of demons right. um and i i think sometimes even getting too caught up in the the question about the demonic can mm. kind of be a distraction like what y'all were talking about and this will be the hottest take that i that i have of the night but um c.s <laughs> lewis he has that famous phrase of um uh the the biggest uh success that the devil ever had was convincing the world that he doesn't exist or mm. something like that mm. i think that he's wrong um and, and i know that's like my hot that's take, and, I, and I, the podcast was, right now <laughs> get out get out uh, <laughs> uh well i i think it might be lewis um i hear i it, it gets attributed to lewis all the time i feel like it's um, a but tape just, letters thing yeah okay. maybe yeah. um but but i feel like that's just not true because i feel like it, you know if there is a devil it's probably much more threatening on whether or not people are like living out an authentically christian life and whether or not the church is truly living up to its calling to be the kingdom of God and to be the body of Christ and exhibit those types of characteristics that are truly transformational to the world. Mm. Um, I, I feel like that would, that's like the more important thing to focus on is, you know, whether or not one is like legitimately following Christ mm. um, and not just one, but like, you know, the church as well. I, I think like that's a more important thing to focus on and getting too bogged down or and so i think like that's more important than like the question of 
like what is the particular nature of demons or like right. what is the particular you know i i feel like it's much more important to think about like okay how, how are we going to be the church right now like in our in our and you know in this day and age um right so i i guess I, and additionally i'm just also somewhat skeptical whenever i hear people claiming demons just for reasons that i've <laughs> that y'all have mentioned as well as like you know what we were mentioning before is it can sometimes be like a a, a way to um shirk personal is that yes. even a word to, shirk, to, to yeah. deflect yeah to deflect like personal responsibility or i think sometimes it's just like a misinterpretation of something else you know like uh maybe you know one has a particular temptation or something it's, ah, it's a demon you know there, there's demons in my house right now like maybe you know it, maybe not maybe you know like he said that's just kind of coming from yourself right like oh, why yeah. are you doing this well because you want to this yeah well, it, yeah it, 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 yeah the the bible is, is you know i mean i think it's pretty the same bible that said that talks about love your neighbor and be the church and act like christ talks about demons i mean and even christ cast out demons so like we're talking about mm -hmm. like well i want to be christ-like what did he do well he put a bunch of demons into pigs and, they, <laughs> you know, and it's like okay and you know so luke 8 32 and 33 uh now a large herd of pigs was feeding there in the hillside and they begged him the demons begged him to let them enter these so he jesus gave them permission then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. And so, I mean, that's Jesus. That's the gospel. That's Luke. And so, like, if we're going to say, like, well, I, I'm, you know, let's, let's, let's focus on Jesus. Well, Jesus did that. And he's talking about mm -hmm. demons. And he gave them permission. So that's a tremendous amount of authority and control over demons. And, you know, and demons are just fallen angels. And I think we do get two kind of, like, scales and pitchforky kind of with it, of, like, our cultural view, view of these things. But the Bible is extremely thorough and extremely explicit about sin, right? And so mm -hmm. we we have to believe that sin is real, right? And so like we think about well, what's real, what what are we focusing on, what's kind of woo woo cultural stuff, and what's really like what we should be doing. Well, it's very it's very much about sin. the The Bible is very much like the gospel is the good news, but it's not good news without the bad news. And the bad news is we are sinners. Okay, what does that mean then? Is that just like a psychological thing that evolved or something, or there's kind of like, or is did 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 Adam sin, and do we have that same condition of sin, and are we condemned and then saved by Christ? And so like that's the whole gospel and the whole just uh, just basic basic Christian stuff of like being saved from what, from condemnation and hell. Okay, so that's where we were, and then we're saved. We have salvation and redemption and forgiveness of sins. And so, like, there's no gospel in salvation and goodness and righteousness without sin and evil and, I would say, demonic sort of fallen forces. Um, so we can characterize it and word it and kind of label it however you want, but, we, but the Bible is extremely clear about sin. There's no good news without the bad news of sin. So we have sin, and I think that, I mean, it's, I think it's safe to say sin is demonic. You know, and sin is satanic and sin is, you know, all these things. And so, yeah, I mean, it's just like really basic bare bones Christian stuff is sin and righteousness and good and evil and right and wrong. And, you know, 
evil and righteous and so i mean i think that's kind of you we can categorize it how we want we can kind of paint it and do, do different things with it but that it is true i mean so we have sin i mean you know would you believe in sin i guess like as far as like yeah yeah sure yeah okay. I, I do I, and i what what you said was like sin is demonic or sin is satanic and i, I think what you mean by that and you can correct me if i'm wrong is that like sin something belonging to like a type of uh, this is not going to be the best phrasing like demonic <laughs> realm or like demo like the the i can't think of how to it's say it's a separation it, like, of god so it separates you from god you yeah know? and so like yeah and, i think there's an agent because i'm trying to separate there's an agent of evil right Gotcha. Yeah, in a, a type of force that is counter to to God, like the yeah, but not, uh, but also still under the sovereignty of God, and not and not in a chess match dualist dualism situation. Like, I don't believe like right. Okay. The, the God and the devil are battling over souls or anything. I think Christ is one. We don't have and a like good do good God yeah. and a bad God. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm just lacking a, a type of phraseology for it. phraseology to, to to put it but uh because i guess like what i'm trying to make is like a distinction between like what you're talking about and like sin is demonic is saying like if you are sinning then you like have a demon or something like does that make sense or would you say that that's the case i think there's um, temptation i think when when satan tempted jesus that that that's something that actually happened and i don't think that's like a folk tale or something i think there is an entity or being of the devil of, of the evil one the right. enemy right um the bible is very clear about the enemy and so and i think that is you know it talks about in in revelations of two of like the the him falling as an angel, fallen angel kind of thing and in taking a third of the angels with him as and those are the demons and so we did kind of see a biblical theology of demons and satan and and, and all these things the, the serpent in, in temptation of Adam and Eve, where Adam failed in the temptation by Satan, Jesus succeeded in the temptation by Satan. And I think those two things actually happened because I think sin is real. You know, well, can, let me so, let me ask you before before you keep going, I have a theological quandary to throw at you here, because the the two times that we see Satan tempt somebody are the first Adam and the second Adam. Mm -hmm. Do you think there's a reason that it was just those two? And maybe it's not fair to say. Because when we talk about Satan, right, the Satan comes from the Hebrew Hasatan. He's the, he's the one opposed, the adversary, right? And even the devil is the one opposed, the adversary. And in Revelation, when he's thrown out and there's rejoicing in heaven, the thing that they say is uh, they're rejoicing because the one who accused our brethren day and night before the throne has been cast out. So from the reading, that I, the way I understand it is that his primary function is to accuse the elect, right? To mm -hmm. To to basically it, it's why paul can say who can lay any charge against the elect it is christ who justified well nobody can including satan that's why he's been cast out of heaven there's no place found for him because right. he has no role you can't accuse those who have been declared righteous right right so do you think that because I, I i struggle with that idea of um we're tempted by demons or we're tempted by satan because i i don't know if i see that play out right i okay. think that because when we're talking about christ and adam what were they both lacking that would require Satan to tempt them? Uh, a sin nature, right? A sin because nature. we right. have that, and that's why temptation comes from our own heart. Right. It's us. It's right. us. And, and, that, and that's kind of what you're saying, of like a personal responsibility. Yes. Of like, well, devil made me do it. No, you wanted to do it. Yes. And you need to say that. You need to like, 
and repent of that. Right. Repentance so, requires confession. Right. So is, we're talking about like we have this covenantal yes. faith. This is a covenantal <laughs> Christianity. Covenant. So we had the covenant of works with Adam and Eve. And so they were created in the garden and, and there was, you know, kind of the, the, the first sort of law or, or prohibition of saying you can eat of any garden except for the knowledge of tree of the knowledge of good and evil so they knew that and they so they willingly they had a free will they had a free will to either not eat of that tree or eat of it and so they ate of it and as a result sin entered the world right. sin and death entered the world and now we have that condition that adam and Eve brought into the world so anybody right. born after them is born with a sin nature right we we, we we're we're sinners by nature and by choice we're doing what we want to do which is serve the self is to sin is to do what the bible calls sin and so we're condemned we're born condemned we're born in sin we're born you know with this original like sin and this sin nature and then we're saved right by christ right. by faith and by grace by god's grace he has saved us and that's a gift right so the, not anything that we've done unless any man should boast right ephesians 2 8 so um so that's so but so that's our that's our default state and that's the nature of our heart right and right. so we choose according to our nature mm. we, we have a free will and we choose according to what our nature is well what is our nature a sin nature so that's how we choose and it's always that kind of you know i always bring it up the 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 the, the buzzard the the vulture in the room with a bowl of carrots and a dead rabbit right he's <laughs> free He's free to choose, right? The, the video with the girl with the uh, vegetarian dog. <laughs> yeah, the dog. There's a lady claiming her dog is vegetarian. She puts a bowl of meat and a bowl of salad, and the dog goes for the meat because that's his nature. <laughs> that is his nature. He's making a choice. You can eat the salad, but he doesn't. Every time, he will go to the meat because that is his nature. He's choosing freely according to his nature, and that's what we do. We choose according to our sinful nature. So when we do something, it's usually selfish or to the glorification of ourselves or to society or to the greater good or to anything but God, <laughs> you know. And so right. but once we but once God has saved us by his grace, then we are enlightened and we are um, uh, regenerated. We're reborn. We're born again. Or we're right. born in sin the first time. We need to be reborn. Right, right. right. And so that's when we're reborn. We're born again. We're born again, Christians, born again. Uh, uh, we're saved. So, but saved from what? From condemnation, from our own sin nature, from eternal death and hell, from, from, saved from Satan, saved from demons, whatever you want to say, whatever you call it, saved from sin, saved from wrong, and into righteousness. And so, and that's the gospel. That's the story of the whole Bible. The whole Bible is about Jesus Christ in this pivot between the lost and the found, the, the saved and the not saved, the condemned and the redeemed. And that's the whole thing. And so and so when we're playing into this, we're kind of seeing like Satan and demons stuff. We're talking about sin, and we know sin is real. We have a, theolo a clear theology of sin. Well, I think there's agents of sin, agents of the mm -hmm. enemy, you know, and, and, and evil that are still under God's sovereignty and ultimate control of, of the whole reality of the whole story. But it does play out in that way. And so we do choose according to our sin nature. So we are accountable. Like you're saying, Daniel, like that's it. We, we need to, that's, I can't say the devil made me do it. Well, the devil made Adam and Eve do it and we're all doing it now, you know? And so it's like, we're all just kind of doing it and we have to confess and repent of that sin that we freely choose to do.
you know and so that so that's the whole devil made me do it whatever i mean yeah we're sinners i mean yeah sure <laughs> well let me bring the methodist into the reform talk uh <laughs> <laughs> i know right when we start talking about like federal headship and and uh and covenantalism and all that where, where do you guys fall on that kind of thing of that idea of like right that's uh that's a good question and thank you for for elaborating on on what you were saying earlier on the kind of like the the demonic in terms of uh, agents of sin um mm -hmm. and, and so forth okay thank you that that um and, and that would okay um so yeah uh, uh where do we fall into this methodists so methodists probably have a different understanding of like uh sinful nature than the reformed do or at least especially like different than calvinism right um so uh what methodists follow john wesley in that um i mean edwards uh, right? like they, edwards <laughs> what no wesley <laughs> no i know wrong wrong john oh, we yeah. follow john edwards <laughs> right right yes uh we do not so so john wesley believed, <laughs> uh he kind of accepted Parts of what is talked about in, and I'm not a West, Wesley expert, I should preface this. So there's going to be some Methodists that listen to this. That are well, no one here is an expert in anything and we talk right. all the time. So, oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, great. Uh, so uh, Wesley didn't uh, believe that the language and, and the descriptions of total depravity describe human nature, uh, like a sinful human nature, but only in like an abstract sense um or that was his critique of it mm -hmm. and his response was to say that there is no human nature apart from the grace of god um so methodists have a doctrine called provenient grace which means that since god is omnipresent and wherever god is there is also an aspect of god's grace working and mm -hmm. enabling people to be able to respond to the holy spirit mm -hmm. enabling it, keeping right, the right. world from going to butts, um, you know, <laughs> and and so like the, God's grace is constantly working and, and pulling on, on right, human nature right. and the Holy Spirit. Right. And, and Methodists believe that this applies to to everyone and not just like that. God's grace, and right, the right, Holy right. Spirit, God's presence <laughs> is working in the whole world, um, you know, at all uh, being a conditioning factor of. Of humanity so so methodists typically want to talk a lot about how like yes sin is um a conditioning factor of human existence kind of some of the things that you're talking about and it's not just some uh, methodists maybe i i don't know i i haven't surveyed all of them but I, I, at least a lot of the methodists i know they do talk like sin is not just one thing that that you do it's not just the decision um to borrow a philosophical term I, I and maybe this is just me speaking for myself. I do think that sin is also kind of like um, a superstructure, um, which is a fancy kind of socio sociological term of it's something that exists kind of above and over the work. Not these are metaphorical terms, but that like is a conditioning factor, not just on you as an individual, but on like the entire way that the world operates. Right, so I agree sin with that. is not just. So, so that, that's kind of the term that 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 I that I like. It's a superstructure, something that conditions not just like me as an individual, but like the way that society operates as well, and the way that things are set up uh, within the world. So it kind of has that dual function. But see, what's uh, interesting so sin is a conditioning factor, but also God's grace is is a conditioning factor as well uh, for 
And, and so not, not to put it like in a chess match to equal right, gods right. fighting out against each other. Um, and so, uh, but, uh, but yeah. So what's interesting is there's, I can, I can almost see the understanding from our perspective where we would also say that, uh, sin, sin is a thing that affects every structure in creation because human mm-hmm. beings are sinful and we're the ones who build society and do things and operate business. Yeah, sure. So right. like society is corrupt because, world. right. Society is corrupt because humans are corrupt and humans build society. Therefore it's corrupt. Like we can't have an uncorrupted mm-hmm. society. It's like a, it's a feedback almost of like, right. I'm corrupt or like we are corrupt. We create this society and then yes. the society is corrupt. And then it ends up kind of like corrupting us, you know, feeding right. back into it. <laughs> And then I would also say that we, I wouldn't call it prevenient grace, but I would call it the common grace, common where it's more of this understanding that we have of like, God still bestows good things on us, even though we are undeserving of them. But not right. only that, he restrains the heart and motivations of some of the more wicked so that they do not do everything that their heart desires to do. He kind of right. holds that wickedness back from being full blown in that. And I think, I think, I think that's, so there's an element of Calvinism called total depravity. Yes. And, but that. It gets misunderstood a lot, and what we don't there's a difference between total depravity and utter depravity. Right, right, right. Yes. So there's total depravity, meaning like anything we do will will naturally, in our unregenerate state from birth, will be for man or the created thing. And that might be good. That might be like saving someone from a burning building, but it won't be to the glory of God. And so what it means, so utter depravity would be no one saves anybody from. Uh, right, right. Building. Yes. No one does any kind good deed, you know, like right, the, right. that's not the case. We, we we understand that clearly. And the Bible, the Bible doesn't speak to that. The Bible doesn't talk about, mm-hmm. doesn't say we are utterly depraved. You know, it speaks more to saying we're totally depraved in that we, in the good things that we do will not be for the glory of God, but for the glory of mankind or right. something, some the, created thing. And so that's yeah, right. And that's ultimately where it ends up because that's the whole Romans one thing of like they've exchanged um, the truth for a lie and have chosen to, chosen to uh, worship the created thing rather than the creator. And I think that's kind of really the big split. We're either worship mm-hmm. because we're all worshiping beings, right? We're, we're created worship. We're either worshiping the created thing or the creator. And the created thing could be society as a whole, the good of mankind, the greater good, your neighbor. All those things, but those are still just the created things. So if that's what your worldview is like leading to and pointing to as your ultimate kind of good end, that's the created thing. You know, we're all just humans. We're all just, you know, create creation. But if it points to the creator, that's Christianity. That's what the Bible points to as far as like what our good deeds should be kind of building to in our ultimate end of the ultimate good is anything that glorifies God, not, not man, not your neighbor, not your brother, not your family, not whatever. It's, it's even above all those things. Yes, those things too. And that's like a prevenient grace, common grace kind of thing that we're able to do, but it's a different level with God. And that's the whole like glorifying God versus glorifying the created thing. Um, mm-hmm. I think yeah, too, that so I, total, I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, well, I was going to say the total depravity is kind of where, because we've talked before about the Wesleyan quadrilateral and how you guys have this, uh, you know, four four part thing that you pull from, like, well, this is how we understand because we consult this and this and this, and it, and we come together to to put those things in a perspective. And when we talk about total depravity, it's it's kind of like, well, to a certain extent, we can't trust any of those things all the way because all of our faculties are depraved, including our rationality, which is why we can oftentimes rationalize our own sin. 
So we can say like, well, it's not that bad. It's not as bad as, or, you know, what I did was my motives were pure, even if the actions resulted in, it's like, no, you're rationalizing sin because your rationality is sinful. Our reason or philosophizing are fallen and and, and faulty. Right. Uh, Which I somewhat agree with, though Methodists put a lot of emphasis on holiness and sanctification and right. um and the redemption of those faculties and such through mm. the grace of god not that they are infallible right and not right, that right. they're perfect but it's meant to be th- those are so like the wesleyan quadrilateral is uh you have the foundation of scripture which serves as kind of like the foundation of everything and then in deciphering how to implement kind of that scripture in addition to um uh, uh, you know, in addition to the working of the Holy Spirit, you have to, right? you know, use reason, you have to use tradition, and you have to use, think of personal experience. And those things are supposed to work together in order to provide some sort of gauge. Not that, and not all of them are equal, because right, right, right. the scripture would, has, has we more just, priority. We would flip the whole thing and put all of it underneath and say, if, if scripture is the, the thing that you have to come to, and bring your rationality and your tradition and all of this and lay it up here and say, if it doesn't match this, toss it out. Uh, that, that's, yeah, I think that's the uh, difference. Right. Well, well, I don't know if they would disagree with that. I, I think okay. like the, I, I'm putting scripture down here in the sense of it's the foundation and everything that you do is supposed to like flow from, mm, right, okay. be built upon that foundation, if that makes sense. So I think right, we're just right. using different spatial so we should, analogies. So, right, so, right, so right. when we talk about something like provenient grace or something, or this kind of general ability of all born humans to choose rightly God, we should be able to find that in scripture, right? If that's our foundation and where all those things are, our base of truth is coming from, if we have an idea of something like that, a provenient grace and like this, like this general capability of people being born able to choose rightly, we should be able to see something that alludes to that in scripture, shouldn't we? Um, perhaps. Uh, I mean, do we you just find don't. common grace in scripture? Uh, uh, common grace, but not this general ability. And actually, I would, let me I would read, say, hang on, let me read, let me read Romans eight because this is Paul's like is talking about life in the spirit, writing to Christians. Okay, a few verses. So let me, let me read because I think this will clear up kind of like what we're <laughs> like what we're talking about here. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, Christians, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So that to me removes or erases any idea of this general born ability to, in the flesh, please God or to follow the law or to, you know, is ho- it says the set in the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And we're all born in the flesh, right? So that erases right. any sort of general capability we're born with to please God or to choose rightly, right? Uh, 
perhaps um so the I, I think most Methodists would just uh, might not disagree with that too much um I just think like again the this kind of notion of um sorry I'm going back through the verses uh Sorry, I'm trying to find. Yeah, like, I, I mean, uh, going in, back to the verse for the moment. In the entirety of scripture, I read nothing that says we're born able to please or choose God in in, in our flesh, according to our fleshly. Yeah, and I don't save, think that's, the, that's not know. the Methodist doctrine. Well, what's provenient grace then? If not the ability in grace. the flesh to choose rightly. I don't think that the to choose rightly provenient grace is something given by god in in the in that doctrine it's not coming from the flesh well i would agree that common grace in that we're not utterly depraved is given by god and so you can have mm -hmm. atheists who hate god do more truly morally right things uh, that's true let, let me, and let they're me not frame saved. It. they're not christians let me frame it this way because i think they're doing right good deeds right i think we're talking past each other and what the provenient grace so you would you would correct me if I'm wrong, but this is how I'm understanding it. Provenient grace is a grace extended by God to every human being to come to God in repentance and faith. Is that correct? Uh, yes, and it's like a conditioning factor on all of creation. Okay, so the, where we would say again, because we believe in election, is that that grace mm -hmm. extended it to specific human beings who God has chosen before the foundations of time that he calls to himself, but not to all men. So provenient grace, you would say, is like the call of God, but it's to everyone, as opposed to where we say it's to the elect only. Uh, yeah, I think that would probably be the distinction there. Okay. Um, and so Methodists, <clears throat> so like that kind of call goes out to, everyone. Uh, my guess is that, yeah, the call goes out to everyone and the Methodists believe in, free, so people who receive the call have the ability to choose whether or not right. to accept it. And we would um, almost say it, we agree with that, but that it's specific individuals who have the call and have the ability because of the call to accept it. Right. So I think that that's more of the the disagreement because I I don't I, I don't think that Methodists would say, kind of in this like fleshly state, and that sounds almost like devoid of God's grace or whatever that one would have like the natural ability just to choose right um to choose God within that state i I, I don't think Methodists would would say that the difference is uh the uh specificity of the call so we would say yeah, that the, that's the, the yeah we would say that the command to repent goes out to everybody but the call to come is only to the elect. So for no man can right. come to me and unless Methodist the father don't. who sent me draws him like that's specific to a group of people. But the command mm -hmm. to everybody is repent of your sins. Yes. And, and, so, and, and I think Methodists just interpret it as like, uh, no, so the verse that you decided, nobody comes to me unless the father ca uh, calls them. Right. Methodists would say God does call everyone. It's just not everyone comes. Hmm. Yeah. That's, that's where we would disagree. <laughs> Right, yeah. <laughs> that puts salvation in our hands. Like the gift has gone out, and it's up to us to choose rightly that and answer that call. So then it all kind of falls on. We have the uh, power to in it, to make that grace and salvation effective. And I just that that that's the thing is is, is that I just don't see in scripture that that the call everyone's called to salvation. 
and it's just up to you to choose rightly and that and i just don't see that like that's the that's the thing that's just not found in scripture but um <laughs> we could probably go round around all night <laughs> <laughs> i don't know how we got into this from satanic panic but <laughs> Because we're reformed, so it always has to get to this. It's always there's no. It's always passed out. Well, let me let me reroute us back to Satanic Panic, and you you're sure. on your fourth Satanic Panic album. Um, yeah. Thematically, what about it inspired you to make like music? Was it just like because obviously the name rhymes and that's always fun? But <laughs> what from that was like? Oh, this is inspirational to pour into this uh, this avenue. Uh, right. So I guess it, it's born out of that kind of general vaporwave, churchwave mm -hmm. uh, uh, style, which is it's, it's working with like uh, appropriating a lot of older cultural um, relics, uh, relics, if you will. Um, and so pulling from that and then shifting it, changing it to create something new, somewhat like Andy Warhol's pop art. Um, right, right. Kind of, kind of reappropriating general cultural things, but especially going back older. Um, and just as I was looking at kind of like older Christian material, it just kind of jumped out. I wanted to make a Halloween album. Um, and I was like, oh, that would be fun. And what was just kind of going through my mind as I was thinking about like kind of Christian pop culture and stuff, I was like, oh, fall festivals, um, <laughs> you know, or like trunk or treat, Harvard, and like yeah, all those kind of things that we did. Try to like scoot across, you know, doing how like having Halloween but not having Halloween, um, you know, those different things that kind of Christian pop culture did. And so, um, then I was like, okay, fall festivals. And I was like, well, why did why were we doing that? Like, why, why did Christians want to try to like get around Halloween? And then I was just kind of because I grew up, you know, evangelical Christian and so forth. I just absorbed some of those things through osmosis. So it was, you know, deep soul searching. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I hired a child psychologist to come to me and help me to like, remember repressed, repressed memories. memories of, uh, you know, and you know, you're I right what kinda, you know, right? Yes, yes. So I came back to the uh, to the to the satanic panic material, um, and so as I was just going through that, there's lots of it that's just on YouTube now that people preserved and and so forth, and so that's. I, I just started working with a lot of that material and um, reappropriating it for to, to make appropriation is a bad word now. Okay, you can say <laughs> repurpose or no, re you can, homage. You can re if if you're white, you can reappropriate things from other white people. And <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah. Satanic Panic was super white, so everybody can appropriate it. It's okay. <laughs> Actually, that's one thing I was curious about because. Uh, even people who aren't necessarily Christian, if they grew up with Hispanic family, are super afraid of demons. Uh, <laughs> does your family have that like same proclivity of like you brought it into our house? Don't say we gotta we gotta call the priest or we gotta call somebody to pray over the house now. Not that extreme. No, okay. I, I I think that maybe there was like a little bit of um, not that I, I I don't remember hearing anything like that too much. I know like I was not allowed to do anything related to like horror or, or watch any, any movies like that growing up. Um, but I think that was more of just like, my mom didn't want me to get scared. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, my mom didn't like want me to get freaked out. Um, so I, I, I think it was more, more about that than it was 
bringing demons into the home. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's a cultural thing. Every Hispanic grandma is afraid that you're going to bring demons into her house. <laughs> mm. well, the, the interesting thing about that, if you don't mind like me doing a spiel real quick, oh, go ahead. Um, is uh, one of the things that's interesting to me, like along these lines, and as it pertains to the satanic panic, is some of the cultural criticism that occurs during this time, especially from the church. Um, and like I've been showing, there's lots of interesting VHS tapes that are famous for like how bonkers they get when it comes to interpreting things like He-Man or horror films or Halloween. Um, and you know, the short story, of course, like you said, everything has demons. And if you watch anything, spooky, it opens the doors for demons to get in your home. And these toys are being used to like subliminally influence your children's imagination, uh, you know, and, and desire to like formulate these desires for the occult. Um, and today, some of those things sound silly to us. The, the ideas that, like, you know, demons are lurking in your Ninja Turtle action figures <laughs> or something like that. Uh, but nonetheless, I actually don't want to be too dismissive of them um, because, in my perspective, though, I, I don't think that like the demonic interpretation is is correct. Um, I don't think that you know that there's a demon in your power rangers right. um right. because i got some I, right I, now and yeah. i'm not <laughs> yeah, okay good yeah uh, uh, <laughs> i was about to throw them out but you know here they are. But, <laughs> I, but i i do think that they somehow locked into a real phenomenon that they just kind of gave an improper imp interpretation to or, or an mm -hmm. incorrect interpretation um and i think it was a result of like many of these pastors and evangelists they lacked kind of proper philosophical or theological tools to do a serious analysis of um, yeah. the phenomena and affects of commercial media. And yeah. they ended up like resorting to labeling everything as demonic. Yeah. Um, but like media does generate what are called emotional affects within us. Yeah. Um, they produce real responses. Watching a scary movie impacts your heart rate. It causes adrenaline. Yeah. Watching a romantic movie sends hormones through your blood. Um, right. and, but in a, and it's, does it in a kind of quasi-intangible way? Because it is something right, external right. to you, right? right. And so right. it has that kind of like there's this external force creating real affects within my body. Um, and I think there's like kind of a – I can see where that would end up being mislabeled as something demonic, especially mm -hmm. if it makes you afraid. Um, so I think these people are kind of experiencing these type of like – quote unquote, immaterial affects. And then uh, they like are mislabeling it. Um, and I think like likewise, the mass proliferation of consumerism for children, like with the whole demonic toys type thing, they did certainly alter the imaginations of young people. Um, and those cartoons are not without like their ideologies that can significantly impact a child's imagination, perhaps in ways that don't align with scripture. Mm. Um, it's just, I don't think that those ideologies are necessarily like produced, but like through the intentions of the creators, like, uh, it's just kind of the cultural waters that we swim in, so to speak, but it's not like some sort of secret underground cult of Satanist, like, <laughs> hey, 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 you know, like yeah. we're going to make them blue and then like, that'll be death and then that'll like make them want yeah. dead Satanists or something. Well, it's, I, I it's interesting. Know. Those cultural waters that we swim in are Christian waters. Right, and so like this whole, the, the yeah. whole sat the satanic panic is a is is a Christian thing, 
right? It doesn't <laughs> yeah. quite make sense to a lot of other, you know, we're kind of shocked that like mainstream secular resources right, were, yes. were into this, but it's like, because they don't maybe believe in the devil. They don't believe in Satan. They don't believe in these kind of, don't believe in God. They don't believe in any of these things. And so, but they're, they're feeding into it. And that's strange to us because this is a Christian thing. This is supposed to be a Christian fear, right? A Christian panic. You know, a satanic panic is a Christian panic, right? It's not really like a Hindu panic, right? Right. You know, you know right, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It is a like, very like so it's a Western culture adopting kind of a language Christian, very particular to, right. to Christianity. Yeah. yeah. I just I just read this book called uh, Dominion uh, from uh, a historian called Tom Holland, and it was about like and he says that he says if if uh, if, if we are goldfish in a fishbowl, the the waters we're swimming in are Christian waters, and it's just kind of how Christianity affects all culture of everything of like this this satanic panic that affected all forms outside of the church is a christian thing i mean that's a christian fear this is a christian thing of like you know you know of western culture so yeah it's just interesting how like this is kind of like uniquely christian panic kind of thing you know it doesn't make it better to, uh, but you know <laughs> when is, i was when i was very this is when i knew i was out with the the evangelical american culture uh i was i had to be like second grade or first grade i remember this vividly we were getting ready to start school and my parents bought me a batman the animated series lunchbox and <laughs> it was super dope batman was coming in like on a line and the penguin was shooting him with a, a umbrella and i was like this is the coolest lunchbox ever this is gonna be awesome so before school starts, they send home like a thing like, hey, here's what's allowed. Here's what's not allowed. Superheroes were not allowed because our faith was to be in God, not in superheroes to save us. And that's when I knew me and evangelicalism were going to part ways. <laughs> this wasn't going to work. Batman's not allowed. Batman was not allowed. Right? If there's no Batman. There's no me. <laughs> that is a strength. Like you watch some of these videos like and they're talking about superheroes like He-Man, for example, was like a big boogeyman for for these people and it's like you know they say well he-man can uh lift heavy things and he can punch <laughs> stuff and it breaks he's more powerful than jesus it's like really that's true he oh, might man. be incarnate word of god you know yeah. through whom all things exist and like you know it, it, that's really how like he man's that powerful so you think <laughs> very little of jesus then <laughs> I know, exactly. lift, he was a we couldn't lift anything <laughs> It's well documented that his physical strength was low. His stat card. <laughs> like, what? Jesus wasn't Jesus jacked was so like he, man. Like, yeah, and it's like, what? Oh, Makes man. Sense. Oh, man. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, well, we've got about an hour 45. We're almost yeah. at two. We should so, end on He-Man. Uh, <laughs> as all things should Oh, and end. I did want to show my shirt that I'm wearing. Oh, uh, nice. I wore it just for, for us. This is a, uh, from – I love Tales from the Dark Side, the, the TV show. That's one 80s, I haven't but... watched. I'm, I'm a big Twilight Zone fan, but I've never watched Dark Side. Oh, gotcha. Oh, yeah. yeah, and I, I like how this is uh, – it's kind of like the satanic panic you know, right. wrapped up in one T-shirt. Of, oh, yeah, you know, they're is, just yeah. watching. They're trying to watch the television – but yeah. the demons have entered their household. They open the portal yes. unknowingly. Um, That's awesome. There's um, I was I was getting into on Comicsology. They have like the old collections of all the old EC, uh, creepy I love those. and yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, all of the creepy and eerie, and they have like collections mm -hmm. for sale that I really wanted to get. I didn't know that Tales from the Crypt was an actual translation of the Tales from the Crypt comic books right right like each episode is based on a show i thought it was just they took the name and made a show i didn't know they actually did the story yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 
I remember reading one about that where it was a it was I read a couple. One was about a guy who he wanted to be a comic book artist, but he couldn't write and he couldn't draw and he couldn't ink. So he hired three different guys, one to be an inker, one to be a, a artist and one to be a writer. And just independently, he would tell them that he did the rest and they would do their part. And then he would take full credit. He would say, oh, I'm the inker writer or whatever. Well, these three guys find out about his scam. And they come in to get him, and he kills them all. So, But then they rise from the grave because there's justice in this universe, and they kill him. And when the people find his, his uh, art studio, the only thing that's there is a page that is a, a comic book drawing of them killing him, <laughs> like the ghouls <laughs> murdering him. <laughs> oh, my. It was awesome. fantastic. I love those old horror That, that was another panic hysteria yeah. with the whole comic book. Oh, the seduction yeah. of the innocent. Yeah, yeah. that like, oh, they're corrupting a, our youth. And yeah, all, Frederick know. Wortham, man. That, Again, another psychologist. Yes, he's a psychologist, man. <laughs> Just I want everything. <laughs> Screw up everything. My sister's a psychologist. That's what do you, what do y'all what do y'all think that the panic like what do you like so back then this was totally legit eighties and nineties was like yeah devil's coming after your kids right right <laughs> and we look back and laugh we look right, back and right. like man what, what idiots what rubes what what do you think is going on now that in twenty thirty years they'll look back and be like what they're dumb why they feared this like what the heck what do y'all think I they think kind of hysteria the, today one is? thing is difficult is that the internet is so fragmenting that yes. it's harder to have a type of mass cultural hysteria mm. the way that the satanic panic could because like yeah. you go to every single news station that anyone had back then and it was like satanist yeah. satanist satanist you mean like so all four like a, <laughs> right <laughs> yes but exactly you know yeah. all four like yeah. and so it creates a more uniformity that is limited nowadays it's you know my facebook algorithm is completely mm. different than y'all's yeah and that's true like when y'all's are completely different than you know your parents and completely different you know so but so how do like, so how do we get something but, like the QAnon thing? Because that was kind well, of I was just about to mention that. Yeah. Thing, but because that is like you do get like these kind of strong streams, if you will. But it, yeah. I, and it doesn't have like the kind of the global. But yeah, I, probably yeah. the QAnon is the new um, satanic panic, panic yeah. in a sense. Mm -hmm. Like it has a lot of the kind of mass hysteria type of. I almost yeah. think that panic is going to be the panic. Like in, in 30 years, we're going to look back and be like, everybody was out of their mind. Everybody doubted everybody. It's, everybody it's hated COVID. everybody. COVID is going to be. It's, <laughs> it's the pandemic. It's, it's going to be that because it, half, half the country thinks the other side is crazy. That half thinks the other side is crazy. In like 40 years, we're all going to look back and be like, everybody was out of their mind. Nobody trusted everyone. Every thought, everyone thought everyone was an enemy. You still think we're going to be divided on that like in, in like 30 years? Like it's not going to be a consensus like, yeah, we shouldn't have been like, you know, masking babies. Well, like, my <laughs> my post millennial side wants to believe that in thirty years, forty years, we'll get like we'll get it back together. But I, my other side wants to believe that Wilson was right, and we're gonna have a national split. Yeah. And the more I don't know, the more I see it, it more looks like like maybe these states are gonna group together, and these states are gonna group together. So we'll have like a different with different history looking back of like yeah, I can't believe those anti vaxxers I'm like I can't believe those freaking maskers, you know? Like, yeah, <laughs> that's that weird, man. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Um, yeah. Weird to think time about. will tell <laughs> it's 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 living through the time is like I, I i feel like it's almost like when people live through the red scare back in the 40s and 50s yeah they were naming names like now we look back on it like it was crazy but back then it was like oh my god the communists are coming they're gonna take our country i think i right. think our kids our kids and like our grandkids are gonna be like 
wow, you, you, you were in 2020. What'd you do? Like, <laughs> like the way we like, well, you're in the great depression. Oh my gosh. Like, wow. What was yeah. that like? Tell me your story. Like, like, whoa, you went to 2020. Wow. Like, that's crazy. Well, unlike those other losers, I had plenty of toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's the other thing too, is that the, the panics are faster now than they were before. Yeah, right. Everything yeah. moves so fast now. accelerated, yeah. There used yeah, to be like generational to sink panic. into a panic. Yeah. Yes. It's the, ne- the next <laughs> right. one already. We're on the next new. one. Yeah. But part of that too yeah, is like, you're right. talking about the proliferation of, of news. Like when they had the four channels, now you've got like 10 major news channels and they all need ratings. So they all got to panic. Yeah. Like what? It's like, the- it's like, okay, we, we, we try and predict what, what's going to be the hysterical panic in 30 years that we'll look back on. We'll probably go be going through one. Still in 30 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, if we're lucky and the grid shuts down and we all get to the second to like normalize, maybe we'll, we'll take a breath and be like, okay, let's regroup. We had take, a couple man. bad years, but we can get back. The solar flare, man, just kind of set us back. Oh, man. I hope. That's all we can hope for at this point. Anyway, so that's our, that's our, that's how we wrap this up. Hope for a solar flare to take out the grid. <laughs> The true wrath of God. We can Mad Max it to to the kingdom. (laughs) (laughs) Mad Max it to the kingdom. That needs to be on a t-shirt. That should be a t-shirt. But Jesus has to be driving the car. (laughs) Yes, yes. Like jacked with an eye patch. Like with all leather and like spikes and stuff too. Like all. (laughs) Or or uh, tied to the front, like in Fury Road. Like Mad Max is tied to the front. You gotta be tied to the front. Like a big cross, like. Cool. Well, oh, thank man. you, uh, Vacation Bible School, for joining us again. Um, like I said earlier, your fourth album is out, so do you want to tell everybody where they can find that? What kind of give us a rundown on that? Uh, yeah, it's just on um, Bandcamp, uh, Vacation Bible School, or if you just go to Bandcamp.com and look up Satanic Panic for Possession, you'll find it. Um, I'm also on YouTube. There is a uh, music kind of visual album for each of my – for almost all my albums, but also for each of the four – um satanic panic uh mm. album so if you need like halloween background music for um you know sitting <laughs> alone church, by yourself festival, for your yeah, for, for your hell for, house yeah for your church yeah for your hell house <laughs> yeah uh you know any sort of like you know set the mood or the ambiance to impress that special someone um set the mood uh, yeah please use my videos and you if you want to talk uh just shout out because i didn't know this was a real thing until you put out the album about holy land usa Oh yeah, uh, yes, I did. Um, yeah, create that album. Um, released on my friend's label. Um, uh, that that was a little bit back. Um, I think what last summer, last spring. Something so like, yeah, yeah, Holy Land USA. That was another one that I released. It, it's a. I recently they like I completely shut it down. Oh, they were man. trying to like reopen it, um, but it that was like this great. old christian amusement park that was like just a bunch of statues i think um but it ended up like it was kind of popular in i think connecticut or something uh, go through it all of it it's worth looking up on youtube holy yeah, land USA. yeah holy land definitely USA. google it there's some great like abandoned amusement park videos for it on youtube yeah. so, so, so i kind of made an album so, for that christian, so american christian amusement park full of idols that sounds about right yes it's exactly what it is <laughs> <laughs> cool well thanks for being with us man we appreciate it uh hopefully we'll see you again for another subject when whenever we have another weird pop culture esoteric idea that we need somebody to educate us Great. On. thank you yes yes <laughs> happy cool well everybody else thank you for being here uh hopefully um 
I don't know. We shed some light on something. I don't really. We went, we're all over the place. So, <laughs> but until next time, this has been the time. This is the place. Uh, like, share, follow, uh, Instagram, Twitter. We're there. Also, uh, TikTok. Please go on there. We'll start putting stuff up again. I got sick, so I wasn't on for a while. But we'll get some stuff up there again. In the meantime, we'll see you guys next week. Later. Bye.